Today is November 8th, 2017. I'm at the home of Camille Pasley for the first interview for Spoken Treasures, the narration of the flea market at Eastern Market. Please, for the record, state your name, where you're from, and your association. Camille Mosley Pasley. I'm from Washington, D.C., currently in Fort Washington, Maryland. And I was the program director at uh, Market Five Gallery from 1985 to, I think, 92. Uh, before that, I worked off and on with um, the gallery, uh, sometimes working as the clerk for the auctions that Tom Ball used to have, and then also um, helping out with exhibits. Um, after 92, I became a board member, um, and I held various positions as a board member. So we're talking about the flea market at Eastern Market, which was originally organized by whom? Was that Tom Rawl? Was that John Harrod? Originally John Harrod. Um, there was a flea market on Sunday, which uh, you could sell pretty much anything. Um, on Saturdays, that was called the market festival, and that's where you had to sell handcrafted items. You could make them yourself or somebody else could make them, but they had to be handcrafted. Sunday was different. That was basic flea market. And then tell me more about when Tom Rawl came in. You called it the auction. Well, Tom and a couple of his associates used to have country auctions every couple of months. I can't remember how often it was. But they were antique dealers uh, from around the region, and they would gather together uh, and have an auction. We'd have an audience full of folks, um, and they would auction off estates or items from uh, their shops. And that was a pretty good setup, but, um, and at the time, John Harrod was doing, uh, the, he started doing the Sunday market because he noticed, you know, on Sundays, the entire market was closed. Um, and so he started having uh, vendors on the street, uh, the entire 7th Street side. And it kind of, it grew a little bit, but it was a bit much for him because he was already doing the Saturday thing. So um, I'm not sure exactly how things happened, but Tom Rawl ended up um, managing the market on Sundays, the flea market, and then he would, um, you know, pay a fee to the gallery for using our space because it was indoors as well, indoors and outside, all the space that we leased from the city. So that's how that came about. So then John just, you know, continued to manage Saturday. Tom took over for Sunday. What were your responsibilities as the clerk? As the clerk, I sat there and recorded every item for sale and who won it. So, um, you know, he, he would give me the item number, the description. Um, he would call that out before the thing was auctioned. And then as, he start, as the bidding started, as soon as he said sold, he told me what the number was. I would write down who it was sold to the number at the end of the auction they would take that information or actually before the end of the auction uh, they would take that information and people would then go and purchase what they had uh, you know pay for what they had purchased during the auction so from what you can remember can you give me an idea of like what the course of the day during the auction was like what time did people come set up things oh like that? man I cannot remember what time they started uh, it must have been in the morning because you always do that stuff in the morning. Um, but he would start out with a couple of uh, inexpensive things to get the crowd rolling. Um, and then he'd you know, go on to the larger items. And I guess the different vendors 
or not the vendors, but the different dealers that he worked with, I guess he went through their lots of um, items at a time. And sometimes there'd be a lull in the crowd, so um, he would sometimes go down to zero. You know, if, if nobody was buying, he would go down to three. And of course, as the clerk, the person listening to all this, my hand would go up first for those items. So I did buy a lot of stuff from the auctions. And uh, at the time, I had a small Hyundai, and I could pack so much stuff in that car. I still have a lot of stuff from the auctions around here. Um, but, yeah, I could pack up that little tiny car very well with uh, furniture and items from the auctions. And... I had a you know really nice display case in my home at the time, so I really loaded up, uh, especially when he got down to free things or a dollar. So tell me how how what was the process to where he could even offer anything for free? Was these all donated items? Well, no, you know you you have your small items that you're not going to make a lot of money on, um, but they get the crowd going. So, you know, if you have um, 25 small items, um, you're going to make a profit on most of them. And, you know, to, to keep the crowd engaged and keep them happy, you can go down to free. And then everybody's listening out to get a good deal after that. So how long was it just the auctions before it moved into more of these individual vendors? I'm not sure. I started uh, doing clerking for the auctions probably in 86. No, before that. must have been 84 or 85, I think. Um, and I started working at the gallery as a regular employee in 86. Um, and by then, actually, actually, I'm not sure if he had stopped doing the auctions at that point. If, if not, it was shortly thereafter um, that he stopped doing the auctions and just focused on the flea market. And he had a, a really good uh, following. So he, he could bring people in from all over, as do most of the vendors there, Saturday or Sunday. Um, they came from all over the region, um, Pennsylvania to North Carolina, and they brought their customers. So you always had a good mix of people there, um, whether it was the flea market or the auction. Um, Tom could bring in a good crowd. That's why it got as you know well known as, as one of the premier markets in the country, because he had good items and he had good clients. Were you so you pretty much were not working with Tom when it turned into the flea market, but were you a patron, a regular patron? Yes, yes, I was. Can you tell us some of your favorite vendors or memories, just experiences? Why did you regularly go to the flea market? Um, just your experiences with it. Why was it important to you? Oh, well. I have relatives that always collected antiques, so I was always going to antique stores with them from a young age and hunting through thrift stores and yard sales. So, um, you know, with everything right there in one spot, there's a lot less searching. So I, you know, always enjoyed um, finding bargains, finding deals, looking for that one item that might be, you know, worth a million dollars that was accidentally underpriced. I never found that. But I did find good deals. I found good deals, and I found you know high-quality merchandise, um, things that weren't all banged up and beat up, but uh, really good quality merchandise. As an artist, did you ever sell at the market? I did. Once in a blue moon, um, I used to make jewelry, and a few times I set up on Saturdays uh, to sell during the craft festival, and it was okay, but you have to have a 
following already to really get going there. And I just did it once in a while. Normally, if I did work on a Saturday, I was, um, it was because there was a concert or an event that day. Um, a lot of times the people that are there on the weekends have no idea what went on during the week, which were the art events, the exhibits, the concerts, the plays, um, workshops and classes, uh, the after-school program, all those things. And so that's what I was involved with primarily. And so after being you know, in the gallery all day, all week, all evening, all day and evening, I didn't really want to get up and go there on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Uh, so I didn't do that frequently. If I, Most of the time if I was there, it was because I had an event that evening and I was getting things set up for that. As you know, the market, um, not the market, but the flea market on Sunday has been regularly battling with keeping its presence. And it's um, even up to, to, to current day. I mean, they just extended at the last hour their lease on the road since the construction wasn't finished. If it got to the point where the market lease was not renewed and that market was not available any longer, what do you think would be the biggest loss? What would the OGCs and the community be missing? You know, what does it? What What do you find its largest value is? Well, I think the activities at Eastern Market, particularly the weekend activities at Eastern Market have been one of the big draws to that neighborhood. Um, you know, that area was dead on the weekends before the uh, flea market. Uh, nothing was open on Sundays um, except the grocery store that used to be across the street. There was a Safeway across the street. Um, once that Safeway closed, not only was it dead on the weekends, it was dead during the week. And so having the flea market there really brought commerce for the rest of the businesses so they could be open, not only on 7th Street, but on Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, the flea market really brought the people in. And if it's gone, well, you know, it, it has changed a lot. Um, the city didn't renew our lease after they renovated the North Hall. Um, there had been a concerted effort to get uh, control of uh, the flea market and all the activities that Market 5 Gallery initiated um, for years. And, you know, we had long court battles uh, in the 90s because of that in the early 2000s. Um, but, of course, you know, uh, it's a small nonprofit. We don't have the resources that the city does, and um, other things, you know, health issues and other things came up, so we couldn't keep fighting. Um, but when the city uh, took over a business, took over the business of Market Five Gallery that Market Five had built up for thirty, what, what were there, thirty-three years, more than thirty-three years. When they took over that business, they really watered it down. They watered down the quality of merchandise. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And I think that will be the same case. <coughs> excuse me. Let me start over. So I think that if the city takes over, let me get some water. Yeah, go right ahead. Sorry. <coughs> Okay, that would be good. So I feel that if the city um, takes the business away from uh, Tom Rawls or um, his company, I feel that the flea market is going to be watered down where it's not the uh, it's not going to be a destination point anymore. The quality of the merchandise on Saturdays went down. I 
I, frankly, I haven't been there many times since the city took it over because they started having, uh, you know, mass-produced items. Um, they'll let anybody sell. And uh, I think that'll be the same case if they take over Sundays. Um, it's it's interesting. To me, it's really interesting that they allowed Tom Rawls to stay as long as he did because he contracted through Market 5 for that space. Um, and it's, it's interesting that the city invalidated our contract but maintained the contract with uh, people, you know, that subcontracted through us. And so um, it has not it, it hasn't been the same since the city started running it. And uh, I don't think it will, you know, remain um, a high quality market if the city starts running it. Um, they don't have the, uh, they don't have the passion for it. It's a job. Um, they don't really uh, understand the history of it because it's just a job. So it's not going to be the same. And uh, it's very unfortunate because that is what made the neighborhood what it is because there was not much going on commercially in the neighborhood. There were very few restaurants. Um, there was very little to do on Capitol Hill on the weekends. And having the market there, having Eastern Market there, you know, that drew people for food, but it was the craft fair and the flea market that kept them there. Because when you go grocery shopping, you don't hang out afterwards. You take your food home. But to make people stay in the neighborhood, uh, you have this great, diverse, uh, you know, market full of things from all over the earth. You know, people came from every country was represented there on Saturday and Sunday. And it was just a great melting pot. Um, that's going to be gone because there's really not going to be, uh, it, it's not going to attract the same type of person because you don't have a person with a vested interest in the merchandise running it. Um, when the city was originally uh, talking about taking over what Market 5 Gallery was doing. They wanted to polish it up and make it like Georgetown. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with the market that used to be in Georgetown. It became, I think, a Dean and DeLuca or something. But, um, you know, they wanted it to be a high-end, which basically meant um, the individual artists would be gone. Um, they wanted something a little more polished and uh, what commercial, you know. So, you know, that was one of the issues that we had to deal with, especially during the 90s. Uh, there was a council person at the time that wanted to come in and clean up the market, and she would call the police and say that they were out there vending without uh, licenses and they we were doing everything perfectly legal um, that the city said we could it was in our lease uh, what that um, council member did was get the city to change that lease and made uh, made things very difficult for what we were doing on Saturdays and Sundays they didn't bother Tom on Sundays as much as they bothered us. You know, they, when they came and took over vending operations on Saturdays, um, and we had to go to court to, to fight that and have the city uh, tell them to give us back our money, which they didn't exactly do. But they changed our lease considerably. But they didn't change Tom's lease on Sunday. Uh, they didn't change what he had to do, but there had been a concerted effort to 
change how uh, Eastern markets was presented. Um, I think the term that was used, they wanted to get rid of the riffraff. So if the city does take over, um, there will definitely be a change. And I don't think it's going to be something that the customers that have been coming there for decades are going to want or appreciate. It's not what they came come there for. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're looking to make it different. Now, there are different people involved with uh, MCAC now who, you know, that board was created. Well, in my opinion, that board was created to get rid of Market Five Gallery. Um, they wanted to manage how Eastern Market was handled. And so they got rid of the uh, management of the food section. The Glasgow's had managed that for decades. Um, they got rid of that, uh, got rid of them. Then they, sorry about that phone. So they got rid of them. They got rid of us. Uh, get rid of getting rid of Tom is the last you know, nail in the coffin, um, it's not going to be the same. Um, even the food vendors, a lot of the food vendors that used to be there are gone. It's not going to be the same. When you talk about the progression of removal, and you mentioned about Market 5 changes versus the changes they made with Tom, do you have any speculation even on why they focused on Market 5 and didn't require the same changes with Tom at the time? Um, it's it's an economic thing. Um, the people that were board members on, or are board members for NCAT, uh, own a lot of the real estate on Capitol Hill, commercial real estate. And, you know, a lot of their activities were done behind closed doors. What you heard at the MCAC meetings uh, was what they wanted the public to hear, but the policies were made behind closed doors. And it was just a concerted effort to uh, take control of that nice piece of commercial real estate uh, and make it into what they wanted. Um, so it's I won't say that it was all racial, uh, but it is, you know, if you look at the makeup of the MCAC board um, and you look at the makeup of uh, the Market 5 Gallery, um, the staff there and who they were dealing with, um, there, there were racial overtones, um, but more importantly, economic overtones. And it's uh, unfortunate. Um, you know, a after Eastern Market became the attraction that it is, um, the people that own the real estate on Pennsylvania Avenue and you know, all around there, they, they wanted something a little more upscale for their neighborhood. And that's what they've been trying to do. It, you know, th they used to state that that was their intention. Um, they kind of scaled back because they got a lot of pushback from the community that wanted it to stay as it is. Uh, but that upscale uh, environment is what they really have wanted. And they've gotten rid of a lot of the things that made Eastern Market what it was. You know. It, it was gritty, it was raw, but um, also it attracted a lot of artists. It attracted a lot of um, small merchants that could, you know, sell their wares and, and make a pretty decent living, um, you know, just working the flea market and the craft fair. And that's not what they envisioned for that piece of real estate. 
Uh, and so, you know, it, it's more economic than racial, but still were definitely racial overtones in um, how things happen. So it's safe to conclude that Market 5 was largely a minority group? Yes. Okay. And Tom Rawl was not a minority. And they dealt with him differently than they dealt with Tom, uh, John Harad. Okay. And who, first, can you spell MCAT? Is it MCAT? E-M, I think C-A-C, Eastern Market Advisory Commission. They were supposed to work as an advisory commission or, or organization to the city, but they did not advise. They controlled what happened. So, um, in fact, usually when the city did hire consultants as to what should be done, how Eastern Market should go forward, uh, MCAC ignored that and did what they wanted. Uh, when seats were open on the MCAC board, um, rarely would individuals that did not have an interest in the commercial businesses uh, in the area get a position on that board. Um, it was not, it was never intended to be um, a community advisory uh, commission. It was a board made up of individuals that had uh, well at the time, we had, uh, what was that mayor's name? Can't remember uh, what his, what the mayor's name was, but um, Williams. People that had given to his campaign, uh, considerably given to his campaign, were involved with the MCAC board. Um, people that uh, wanted, and they were the people that, controlled the real estate on, uh, in East Market in that area. So it's, I got off the question. Could you? Oh, <laughs> I wanted to just okay. clarify for the record who MCAC was. And so I'm also then safe to conclude that there was minimal minority representation on the MCAC. That is correct. Okay. All right. And you mentioned Glasgow? Yes. Wait for that to. Um, should I? Okay. So uh, the Glasgow family, they ran the, uh, the market breakfast or lunch, whatever it's called. Um, they had a couple of um, meat stands in there. Their father had uh, leased Eastern Market, I think back in the 50s, when nothing was happening there. They leased it to him. He got more food merchants in there, and um, he had he's they're the ones uh, or their father's the one that you know basically filled the South Hall with food merchants because the city was doing nothing. Um, the North Hall, uh, when Market Five started there, was used as a storage facility for broken street lamps. Um, and other, you know, city items. So they let uh, John Harrod use the space for a summer to do a, a program, and that just kind of continued, it was an art program, that just kind of snowballed. They said, well, you know, we'll let you do it again and keep doing it and keep doing it, because nothing was happening over there. Uh, it was a wasteland. So. Glasgow's, they really, they got the food part going uh, so that people were coming there for food again. Um, and they managed it for several decades, uh, but the city got rid of them first. They're still there as, as merchants, but uh, they used to run the South Hall. The city had a lease with them to run the South Hall. Um, the building probably should have been, uh, it, it, there were several code violations, I'm, you know, 
but the city allowed them to run it. But after the renovation, actually, I think even before the renovation, um, the city took it from them. And they did fight, you know, for it, uh, but the city took over and, you know, basically just took over their business, took over the business they built up, and started calling the shots. And then they did the same thing eventually for the North Hall. Uh, they took over the business we built up over 30-some years, and uh, that was it for us. They did allow the vendors to stay, but they did not allow Market 5 Gallery, um, the nonprofit organization, to stay. Uh, before MCAC did that, um, well, technically the city, but being advised by MCAC to do that, before they did that, um, they wanted uh, Market 5 Gallery to raise the fees that we charged the vendors, and they wanted us to change the type of vendors we had um, to make it more upscale. When John would not cooperate with them, John Harrod did not cooperate with them because he said he wasn't going to raise his fees, uh, he wasn't going to do this, he wasn't going to do that, then they sought ways to undermine him. Um, they did a lot of things that <coughs> to me were illegal. They had all kinds of crazy no-bid contracts. They had this company, uh, Bostonia, I think it's called Bostonian Group or something like that, which uh, I think it was like a one or two man operation out of Boston to come and do the renovations or, or to do some uh, needed repair work on Houston Market. These folks came in, uh, they, they were doing repairs on the South Hall first, and I think they had to replace the roof and do some other things. There were leaks and things. They didn't know what they were doing. And they ended up, uh, from what I understand, uh, according to uh, one of the district employees that was dealing with MCAC, a guy named Reese, can't remember his first name, but his last name is Reese. This Bostonia group had D.C. employees doing the repairs on Eastern Market, but Bostonia was getting paid for it. And when they, for instance, when they painted, uh, when they were supposed to clean up the bathrooms, there, there used to be bathrooms on the second floor, they painted over these years and years of dirt that were in the bathrooms. They just painted over that. So of course, it smells bad, it builds up. Um, when they did some roof repairs, they put up new gutters. They didn't put down spouts. So when it rained, we had, you know, this waterfall <laughs> in the corners. Um, and, you know, this was a contract that was awarded to this group. It was a non-compete, you know, th there was no competition for the contract. And so MCAC kept doing stuff like this. You know, MCAC would recommend these folks to get these contracts. They would get the contracts and do nothing, the city would have to go and repair what Bostonia did or actually have, you know, city employees doing this. And nobody could find Bostonia. You know, it was just a, a I think it was a P.O. box in, in Boston. So it uh, kind of reminds you what's going on with the Puerto Rican uh, electrical grid issue. So MCAC, you know, that, that was our introduction to MCAC. And they are, you know, pretty much behind all of this right now. Um, you know, they're still the advisory group. And, you know, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It makes you not want to uh, be bothered with anything there because you know how good it used to be. And you see how they're ruining it. And they're doing it for greed. And, you know, they got a lot of the, uh, the vendors to turn on each other over the years of uh, their manipulation. Um, they had certain individuals thinking that, you know, after they get, get rid of John Harrod, you're going to be in charge. And, and when those vendors uh, were not in charge, you know, they, they became disillusioned. 
but um, you know they strung folks along far enough. You know they they had a lot of folks, uh, and, and John Havard had his faults, but they you know they got folks to turn against John, get rid of him, so that they could more easily take over. Uh, you know, win their confidence, get their support. Um, but then after they got that support and confidence, um, you know, MCAC, uh did those folks into, um, and and that's you know what they're still doing. So, uh, you know, MCAC has been the issue all along. You know, this this was a advisory committee uh, that wasn't, ch they, they didn't advise, they dictated. And they ignored the community input. They ignored the input of uh, hired professionals. Um, for a while they did have a, a group that was the um, market manager. I think they ended up getting sued. Uh, this group also was uh, managing an Amish market and the Amish uh, sued them as well. Um, but these were the folks that MCAC chose. So, you know, my feeling is once they get rid of Tom Rawl, they're going to just run it in the ground because I doubt if they have, uh, I, I doubt if their greed has uh, changed and, and they're not interested in it so much as a community, just more as, you know, how can I make some money off of this? And they're willing to cut the corners to make a buck. And after they make their buck, they're gone. Um, they really don't, uh, I don't think they have an interest in the future of uh, Eastern Market. They just want to make money right now. You mentioned fees. Do you remember what the fees were? Like, what were we talking about? Oh, let's see. Um, I think well, somewhere in the 90s, John raised the fee to $15 a day for the uh, craft fair on Saturdays. I think it might have been uh, maybe, it, w it was more on Sundays. I think it was like 50 bucks on Sundays. Uh, but, you know, folks could make their money. Now, it was cheaper on Saturdays because it was, you know, individual artists. Um, it, John did raise the fees probably somewhere in the early 2000s uh, because our rent went way up. I think our rent went up tenfold. Um, and... So he raised our fees on the weekends. We had to raise our fees for artists, you know, overall, uh, for the, uh, you know, event rentals and everything else. But, um, you know, our main income, as Market 5 Gallery's main income, was not from the artists. Our main income was from uh, rentals of the space so that we could support the artists. Uh, we could we could allow um, playwrights to rehearse and perform for a low fee because you know they weren't making a ton of money and they didn't have a ton to invest. Um, we could have uh, musicians and poets and everyone else that didn't have a lot of money up front, but they had a space to perform. And so, and, and with the craft fair on the weekends, we had a lot of artists that were trying to, uh, you know, couldn't get in the gallery system, but they had, you know, good work and they could sell it on their own directly to the public. And so the fees that John charged for Saturday's craft fair were much lower than uh, the fees that were charged on Sundays for people that were, you know, basically antique dealers. Um, but either way, people could you know, they they made enough money to cover the fees on the weekend. So um, I don't know what the fees are now on the weekend, but uh, back when John was doing it, he kept the fees low so that artists could afford to set up and sell their work. And if they didn't sell anything that day, 
they weren't out of too much money. If it rained, uh, if they just didn't have customers, if it was too cold because they were out there in the snow and everything else, um, you know, uh, it wouldn't be too much of a hardship. I think now <coughs> they have uh, the, the current market management makes the, uh, the vendors pay a week in advance. And so whether it rains or not, they get, you know, the market gets their money. Um, when I was there, if, if it rained and people weren't making money because there were no customers, then we didn't make any money. Um, but we would make that up on rentals. I would just have to double up and find, you know, more events. Um, but, you know, we use those other events to support the arts. Uh, right now, that kind of uh, sentiment towards the arts um, is gone. Do you ha have any comments on the fire and how that impacted the <coughs> Yeah, that was interesting because uh, at the time, I'm, I'm not sure if the, I, I can't remember if Bostonia was still managing. No, I think they were gone. I think the city was managing at that point. But <coughs> the person that was in charge of uh, managing the South Hall at that time, they had dummy security cameras, and they did not have working fire alarms. And so when the fire went off in the trash, and actually there had been a couple of fires in the trash, because uh, when the city took over management, they did not empty the trash as often as the Glasgow's did. Um, Glasgow's, even though we had our run-ins with them, um, they did keep the trash better. But when you're throwing out all that food waste uh, and, and cardboard and everything, and, and they didn't have a lot of dumpsters, when you throw all that out, you, you know, you're, you're, well, that's compost. That's working compost. And, you know, the city was not removing the trash as frequently as Glasgow. So there had been some trash fires before. Um, you couple that <coughs> with fake security cameras and uh, no real fire alarms. The, the, well, I'm sorry. I think they did have alarms, but they weren't hardwired to the city. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a fire in the middle of the night, nobody's there, only the neighbors hear it. It doesn't go to the fire station. So there was a firewall between the North and South Hall. And that firewall kept the North Hall from burning up. We had minimal damage on the North, in the North Hall. And so, um, you know, that fire accelerated the renovation that they had been debating forever. Um, and they used our electricity <laughs> During that time, uh, they were supposed to pay uh, for a couple of things, you know, pay uh, market five dollars for a few things that they didn't get any compensation for. But um, that fire uh, accelerated their plans, and you know, the 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 next phase of their plan was to get rid of Market 5 Gallery. So they made it impossible for us to pay rent. They, they demanded rent at a time when there were no, you know, because of the fire, we couldn't have a full market anymore, you know. But they're still demanding the same rent. And we have no space to make income. Um, and of course, the rent had been increased tenfold at that time. So they just made a situation that they knew we could not sustain. And that was how they got rid of us. And so when they closed the North Hall for renovation, you know, after they finished the South Hall, 
when they closed the North Hall, they did not renew our lease because they said we had not paid the rent. And no, we could not pay the rent because they made it impossible for us to make money. Um, like I had said before, the way that our main income used to be from renting the gallery out for events. Well, what it, um, we used to have to get a, a, a to serve alcohol, we would have to get a permit, a day permit from the city. Uh, whoever the caterer was would get that permit. And then they sort of serve alcohol. And, you know, most of the rentals were from politicians. Um, MCAC said that we couldn't do that anymore. They, uh, we, we no longer had an occupancy permit, so we couldn't make money that way. Our money had to be made on the backs of the artists. And so um, when we could no longer, you know, make our money on event rentals, um, that made it impossible to pay the rent because mm -hmm. we, we could not afford to do it just based on um, artists. And so they kicked us out because we hadn't paid rent, and they, they did not renew our lease because we, didn't, we hadn't paid the rent because it was impossible to make any money because they cut off all our income sources. So while the building was being renovated because of the fire and business for the Eastern Market building pretty much came to a standstill, were there still flea market vendors permitted to gather? And if so, what, what role or significance do you think their presence played to keeping traffic coming to right. the area? Well, at that time, um, e even before the fire, um, we had started using the playground at Heinz on the weekends. On Saturday, you know, it was just an extension of what was going on at Eastern Market. On Saturday, uh, Market Fab Gallery ran the craft fair. On Sunday, Tom Raw ran the flea market. Um, some board members from MCAC uh, finagled a lease with the city and got rid of us on Saturday at Heinz. And so they took over the uh, the Saturday craft uh, thing at Heinz. That was an income income source that was taken away from us. They didn't do that for Sunday though. They let Tom Rawl continue to run Sunday. They did not bother him. Now, in addition to taking our contract, we used to pay directly to the school, and they used that money for much needed student supplies. Uh, when the uh, former MCAC, MCAC uh, folks took over on Saturday, they paid a, I think, a lesser fee to the city. And the school did not get any benefit from that money. Um, and also, uh, you know, they didn't clean over. It, it was a bad deal for the school. Uh, but they didn't touch Tom Rawls flea market. So during that time, uh, before the fire and, and during, you know, during the renovation from the fire and stuff, uh, Tom Rawls was still able to run the flea market and stay in business. Uh, because our income had been dried up from the Eastern Market, I mean from the Heinz parking lot, uh, we couldn't stay afloat. So uh, MCAC allowed Tom Rawls to stay in business. Uh, they did not allow Market 5. They um, dried up our income at every possible source. Uh, they uh, wouldn't, wouldn't allow us to have an occupancy permit because we didn't have a bathroom. We didn't have um, you know, a bathroom in the uh, North Hall. And we had you know, other, it was just a shell of a building, really. And so, um, with no occupancy permit, with no uh, revenue from the craft fair on Saturdays, um, you know, 
that was it for us. Mm-hmm. Yet we were still supposed to pay the rent. And as far as Tom Wall's market, that was able to continue. They allowed him to continue. They did not dry up his income source. They did not try to take the Sunday flea market from Tom Wall. And did that, do you think that the presence of that flea market was a benefit to keeping the foot traffic? Definitely. Definitely, because the foot traffic just for food um, doesn't stay. You know, uh, if you come and get your food, then you go, you take it home. Um, so having the flea market through that fire um, kept people coming, and it, and it kept the food merchants in business. Um, you know, so it's the flea market kept things going um, and you know it, it's it's very unfortunate that that's the thanks that you get from the city and and it's not just with Easton Market that they did that um, there was another art space <coughs> in Southwest um, near the stadium it used to be called I think Millennials Millennials Millennium Art Salon um, and it was run by a guy named Ruby, and uh, they, the city did similar stuff with him. You know, this was a property he purchased from the city, and they did not honor their contract. And, you know, now the bid building is sitting there, not being used. Um, they sold it to, the city eventually sold it to someone else, but the city had these grand plans that were going to happen with the Corcoran, and so they took it from Ruby, sold it to the Corcoran. Uh, next thing you know, the Corcoran's plans go under, and now the Corcoran doesn't even exist anymore. Um, but the city, uh, you know, undermined what Ruby was doing in that space. It was a great space for artists, um, but they undermined that. There was also another school building that had been sold uh, to someone that was I think it was supposed to be some type of international school, but the city also undermined that individual, didn't um, honor the contract. And so, you know, the city, when they take over these uh, operations that are running great and decide, hey, I'm going to get in there and do it my way, or I'm going to let some special interest groups disguised as a advisory committee, uh, nonprofit advisory committee get in there and run things. It really, um, it really sets things back for um, not only the patrons, but the small businesses that, you know, benefit from, from that. A lot of People that started out at the flea market, selling at the flea market, you know, went on later to open stores, you know. And it really has a big impact on the community. Um, That's not going to keep happening. Um, You're not, MCAC is not interested in that. I, I do believe they are still looking for the shiny, upscale type of, space um, that they wanted in the 90s. I don't think their objective has changed. Uh, They just had to uh, navigate their way through it, but I don't think the objective has changed. You know, you mentioned that the the foot traffic, when you go in to just purchase food, people don't stay to purchase things. It's been known that flea markets generally find a depressed, underutilized community, park there, bring the community and the foot traffic there. Now the property is more valuable. Businesses grow. The flea market generally has to struggle. Um, And that has certainly happened here. Have you been to the market the flea market recently, now that they've nearly finished that construction and they're um, opening up the new storefront because there was 
one vendor is now housed in one of the stores. Um, so it, it, the flea market also becomes an incubator mm-hmm. business opportunity. I have not been there recently. Um, for the past 12 years, um, I've been taking care of my parents. And so I do not get out like I used to. Um, and Saturdays and Sundays, we, we finally got caregivers to, reliable caregivers to help on Saturday and Sunday. But for years, um, I did not get out on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, um, so, and, and even now, um, you know, I, I may be up all night and I have to sleep during the day. Uh, taking care of my mom. So I, I have not been there um, for a while. And when we talk about this community advisory commission, if you were to be a leader in that in hindsight, what would be either a suggestion or an idea or a plan that comes to mind for you that would have made that would have been equitable for all interested parties that was not entertained or that was ignored to allow for the growth and to satisfy community requests and to allow for the artists and the independent vendors to still coexist. I think if they if they included the arts more, because um, a lot of the Sunday vendors were artists from Saturday. You know, uh, there were individuals that did it both ways. Um, you know, inside the North Hall used to be an art gallery and a stage. And, you know, there were all, most weekends we had somebody performing. That attracted crowds. We had the art on the wall. Um, after the renovation of the North Hall, uh, they had the walls up for art for a little while. But they took those down. Um, the last few times that I've been there, I usually I can get there during the week more so than on the weekend. But um, when I was there last, the walls for art were gone. Uh, there is it's it's just a you know an empty building. It it has no personality other than great windows, um, and so that. Uh, being available for the arts. The, the arts always attract a crowd. Um, that's what attracted business to 7th Street downtown after everything closed up and moved out to the suburbs. Um, a lot of artists were given inexpensive space to rent, and that started bringing business back. Um, but then, you know, after a while, the artists get priced out. And so I don't think um, Eastern Market is going to be an affordable space for artists again. But if they had included some long-term plan for the arts to stay there, I think, uh, you know, even if, you know, Market 5 could not still be there, if it was maintained as an art space, I'd be happier. I think the community would be happier. Um, but it's not an ongoing art space. You don't walk in there and see exhibits. You don't walk in and just hear uh, great music. You don't walk in and catch somebody's performance um, as they're rehearsing. You know, you used, to, you, used to, you used to walk in on some really amazing things there. But um, that's not the case. I, I wish they had maintained the arts there. And originally they said they were going to, but uh, that didn't last. Uh, even when they had the walls up for art exhibits, um, every time that I was there, um, the walls were bare. Uh, they, they did have an exhibit. When they first reopened the North Hall, they had uh, an exhibit that was like the history of Eastern Market. But after that, I did not see a single art exhibit. Um, 
So that's unfortunate because that's what really created the vibe there. Um, it was the artists that came on uh, on the weekend that really built things up. It sounds like it wasn't just a destination, but it was an event. That it was, you know, and it was one that was ever changing and, and dynamic. Well, this is the time of the interview that I ask if there's anything you want to contribute on the subject that I haven't asked about. Hmm. I don't think so. I think that's about it. Okay. Well, I thank you very much for your contribution with NR Interview.